Welcome to the Spark of Fire audio podcast. I believe if you continue to press in, this will be a helping hand to staying on fire for God. I'm your host, Bryston Catlett. Let's get into the message. Well, hey guys, just welcome back. I'm so I'm so thankful that you are listening to the Spark of Fire audio podcast. And let me tell you, I know it has been a hot minute since I've recorded a podcast, but today it's a special one. I have a very special guest today, very wise man of God, who I'm going to have him share a little bit of his story and how he came to God, and it's going to be it's gonna be a treat, so you do not want to miss a single second of this video. If you're thirsty, pause it, go get a drink, but keep your earbud in. I'm telling you, you are going to want to hear this. And uh, not that you know any of us are special in it of ourselves, but when you have an experience with God, it changes you. And that experience, you know, the Bible says in Revelation 12 that it's, by the blood of the Lamb, the word of your testimony, and that you love not your life, um, even unto death, that people are overcomers. And let me tell you, he has a testimony. He's had an experience with the blood of the Lamb, and he loves not his life, even unto death. You know, he's he knows about persecution considering he's uh, not very in touch with the Western type of Christianity because my friend, my Nigerian prince, who if you did not know this if i didn't tell you he was nigerian you probably couldn't tell because he sounds wider than me at times but my friend uchina wanunu welcome in my friend thank you for that um you know very articulate enunciation of my name and you know just the uh the very auspicious introduction that you've given me well i'm very very happy to have you here so uchina you're from nigeria correct you're you're nigerian Nigerian, but I'm from above. Like You're from he, above, like oh, Jesus said. Oh, oh, snap! Yeah. From said, above, it's from above. Even the devil understands that because he's under your feet, huh? Facts. You know, I always tell people. I said, you know, so many people are telling them how they're kicking the devil. I said, sometimes I try and I reach and I can't even hit him. Yeah, he's I know, so far right? underneath us, man. But uh, Uchen, I really want you to just kind of share your story with us because I I have a lot of, or I don't say I have a lot of, but I have some viewers on here that, you know, they know my testimony and they've heard a lot about it. But just from a different perspective, you got saved at a different age than I. We were at different uh, times of life. And, you know, so many people think it's it's so hard um, with Christianity. And really, I came to the point that I realized a lot of the reason people fall out of Christianity is because they're expecting Christianity to make their life perfect. Um, and what what's your perspective on that with, with people thinking that Christianity, there's going to be no sorrows and and uh, no trials, but their life is going to be perfect. And they do you see that a lot? Like people fall out of it because of a lot of that reason? Uh, absolutely. And Jesus already said it too. Um, you know, he said the kingdom is like a man who scatters seed abroad. You know, there's the seed that falls on the wayside, um, which the enemy just comes and snatches up. The, those are the people who, you know, mock this, mock that, and say this is why I don't go to church because I saw this. Mm. Then he says there's the seed that falls on the thorny, uh, the rocky ground. So, you know, it's very short-lived. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have an experience, they cry, they, they, they get emotional, they're guilty for their sins, but they go back to the same place and, yeah. you know, it's short-lived and they don't even try to overcome. And then there's, the, there's the, the soil that we see more of, the seed that falls upon thorny ground. Mm -hmm. And the only difference between the thorny ground and the perfect ground is one ground didn't pull up the weeds. Mm. Um, because it says that it actually would have been able to grow, except the thorns also grow and choke yeah. it out. And those are the people. And what does Jesus say those thorns are? The cares of this world, yeah. 
Um, you know, First John says the the pride of life, the lust of the um, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and I love one of the translations that actually uh, explains the pride of life, because we can quote words very easily. Yes, but words words are very important. Oh yeah, um, it's not about having eloquent speech, uh, being articulate when when you're speaking. Uh, it's not about persuasive speech. It's about having your faith rest in the power of God, not in the wisdom of man. However, it also is required to have understanding. People perish for lack of knowledge. And people tend to forget that Satan, you know, is actually pretty intelligent. He was around in the beginning. Yes. You know, it, people think sometimes, you know, if, if I pray in tongues this many times, if I have, you know, this minister lay hands on me, if I go to this on fire church, Satan will leave me alone. And then I say, well, you know, I guess Jesus must have did something wrong because yeah. he was born free of sin in his blood. He is the word, the Logos made flesh, and was baptized in the Holy Ghost when Satan spent time with him. So Satan wasn't afraid of the spotless lamb full of the Holy Ghost. How much more should we understand that Satan will come and try to manipulate the word? And so, you know, in that scripture, in 1 John, it says the ostentation of life, which if you, if you study the difference between pride, vanity, and ostentation, there's a lot of differences in them. They all root back to self, but ostentation is kind of about the extravagance of life. And so people go pursuing that. And so they think when they come to Christ, you know, well, if I don't get this yet, if I don't get that, you know, then, you know, my, this Christianity doesn't work. So would you, would you, with that being said, would you say that, uh, them thinking of themselves that they should be at a certain level at this point uh, would drive them away. Like they think, like, oh well, I've been in this for you know two years and I'm not where another person is. And by that comparison, you know that drives them out of Christianity. One hundred percent. Paul wrote uh, in the scriptures, comparing yourselves amongst yourselves, you are not wise. Mm -hmm. Um, and what does the Bible say? That Christ has been made the wisdom unto us, Christ's mm -hmm. salvation. So wisdom comes with salvation. How do we know that? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yes. You take yourself out of wisdom when you start comparing yourself to others. And I, I have a very good friend, um, a mentor uh, who's a pastor, and I went to serve him in Nigeria for several weeks. Mm -hmm. And we did a leadership conference for the church that he pioneered over there. And one of the things that he said that still sticks with me is he said, never be discouraged at your level of sanctification. Mm, that's good. You know, don't be discouraged because the Holy Spirit is sanctifying you at a different rate as somebody else. Everyone's not a third generation preacher's son. You know, everyone doesn't have, um, you know, a, a governor for a father. Everyone doesn't have a neurosurgeon for a mother. Um, everyone doesn't have a, a baptized in the Holy Ghost at age four experience. So there are things and experiences that you'll have to have um, that others won't, and there's things that others will have that you won't. And he said, never let yourself be discouraged because of the level you're at. Um, I used to pray this prayer, and it's one of the things that it's, it, it's a reminder. I would say, Father, I thank you that I may not be where I want to be, but praise be to you in the highest. I'm not where I used to be. And that was what caught the uh, Israelites in the wilderness up so much is they 
they want because they weren't where they felt they should be, they were so concerned about where they used to be. And so, you know, I I said uh over your so you got so I want you to share a little bit of your of your story and how you like what brought you to Christ and and even the time leading up to it, because, you know, I can look back in my life and see how God, even even when I was still a sinner, even, you know, because it says that he loved us even while we were still sinners and how his hand was, you know, guarding my life. Like there's this one one testimony, man, and it's crazy. I just realized this. I was like seven years old and I was being a boy and I was on top of my roof, you know, doing what boys do. I was peeing off the roof <laughs> and, and I was trying to see how far I peed and I was leaning over the side and I was leaning forward. And I, and the gutter fell out from underneath me, and my mom couldn't explain it, and 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 I somehow ended up with my back back towards, and I was a scrawny kid, I did not have any strength, and somehow I managed to pull myself back up. But given I was leaning forward, and my heathen, my friend who was probably my most heathen friend at the time, he said that day I knew that that Bryston was that God's hand was in Bryston's life. He was a heathen. And I was too. I was I was only seven. I wasn't saved until I was sixteen. But even the the journey leading up to it, like uh, up to your salvation, what are some things that first of all, how did it get there? And what are some things that you've learned that you think a new Christian, uh, a person who just got um, sanctified, uh, could take away from that? Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, just a little bit of background with me. Anybody who understands a lot of African culture in general. There's like a lot of Christian faith there. Uh, it's almost impossible to grow up in, you know, a Nigerian household without some way, shape, or form, you know, not hearing the name of Jesus Christ as a cuss word. So I had a knowledge of God. And as a matter of fact, as a young kid, I remember um, I, went, I grew up in the American Presbyterian Church. Mm -hmm. It's totally not like Presbyterian denomination is uh, overseas because many of them took the quote-unquote the name because of the missionaries that used to go over there, because all these denominations used to be spirit-filled soul-winning, Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran. Um, and so uh, I grew up in a Presbyterian church in America because of family. Mm. And they do this thing where it's kind of very similar to Catholicism. They have like the confirmation where we, at a certain age, profess Christ before the, the, the sanctuary. Mm. And something hit me that I needed to be baptized. Mm. And I would ask them, I need to be baptized. And they were doing the whole, you know, you've been sprinkled as a kid. We don't do that. We don't do that. And I would begin to ask these questions about faith because we would go through this class of how, you know, why Jesus is the way, you know, why, you know, how we, why we confess Jesus, you know, before you confess him, you must believe X, Y, Z. And the word would speak to me. The, 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 the rhema word would speak mm -hmm. to me. Explain and, that. And uh, can you explain, you know, the rhema word and the logos word to our viewers who might not understand that? The Word of God has multiple different translations uh, in the in the original dialect because I I know that I didn't know that when I first got saved and whenever I got when I was told that and I was explained that it really helped me understand how to read the Word of God properly. So can you explain the Rhema and the the logos and the difference between them really quickly? Yeah, sure thing. So in in the Bible it says in Genesis um, and John, in the beginning was the Word, and of course we know in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God. And the word became a man. And that word is logos. Okay. Um, logos is essentially what we also have solidified as also the written word, right? Yes. The word that God delivered to man. So Christ Jesus, who, you know, 
we look at, of course, the written word is because it says Jesus was the expressed image of the will of God in person. He was the expressed image of what God wanted to say. So the Logos is also what we would consider the scripture that we read today, too. Logos is written, understood text. Then there's a, that's the word in Greek. Um, then there's another passage of scripture where in Romans 10, it says, and faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But in the translation of Greek, that was not, uh, you know, logos theos, mm -hmm. because the word God is theos yes. in, in the Greek. And where everywhere we see logos is where we see the word. Mm -hmm. But what that actually says was that faith will come by hearing and hearing by a rhema Christo, which is the, uh, uh, the anointed spoken word. Because mm -hmm. the word Christo or Christ is anointed. Um, that's why, you know, sometimes you really can't say Jesus Christ, uh, the Messiah, because mm -hmm. you're saying Jesus, the anointed one, the anointed one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so a rhema is when a word is spoke is, is when a word is spoken to you. Like when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist and the father said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. That's a that's a that, that's a rhema spoken word. Yeah. You know, there's an audible there's an audible word you'll hear and an inward word that you'll hear. Um, but one of the things is obviously the word and the spirit never contradict each other. That's right. And so a rhema word will be when you feel I have heard something, you know, while listening to the word, hearing the word, reading the word or just being in your car. You heard something that compelled you to do something. You heard Jesus is real. That yeah. That is a rhema word. Yeah. The Holy Spirit has somehow spoken to you. So with that being said, you know, um, a lot of people will, will take that verse and say, you know, it's uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I know that I had the, I'm not going to say the misinterpretation, but that I just need to read my Bible. And, you know, I, and I knew sometimes my faith wasn't being, you know, perfected. Um, but, you know, it, I, it really came alive in me that it wasn't just necessarily reading the word. But, you know, because just getting this before your eyes is good because it's the gateway into our heart. But more or less getting revelation on that word is where the, the truth comes alive in us. Would you, would, you, would you agree upon that? Absolutely. And um, there's a passage of Scripture in Hebrews uh, where it says, The word is alive. It's mm -hmm. quick. Yes. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, it divides the bone and the marrow, the joints, uh, the thoughts and the intentions. You know, it's it's one thing if you keep reading something. It's another if you have experienced it. Mm. For instance, I could text you, uh, you know, I'm going to buy you a suit. I'm going to buy you a suit. I'm going to buy you. I could just text it to you one time. Yeah. And you've read, I'm going to buy you a suit. But when I'm in person with you, if, you, if you've never met me, yeah. you may say, well, there's a guy who's going to buy me a suit. But you don't, you don't know if I have the capacity to do it. You don't know what it takes to do it. You don't know if I need six weeks, six months, six years, or six seconds. Yeah. But when I have encountered you, when I have come and sat next to you, and you have, you have been in my presence, and you see, what I, you, you see the resources that I have, and then I say, I'm going to buy you a suit. Something it, it, I said the same thing I said to you over text. Yeah, but now you you have a confidence. Mm -hmm. It's not that you always, it's not that you didn't believe that I wouldn't buy you a suit, but you didn't know when I was going to buy you a suit. You didn't know how I was going to buy you a suit, but now you have this confidence because I have spoken a word out loud to you 
and you've been in my presence. Yeah. And it's given you a confidence now. And so that's that's essentially the 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 big difference. Um is you know you you know, you'll know the will of God because now it has come alive to you. Mm. Uh, you can read the words here but it it was written for you even if it wasn't written to you, you know it's for you, but w- but that that confidence, faith is confidence. Mm. When is this for me? How is this for me? And when a spoken word comes alive, you know it's for you. Yes. And so back to your story about you getting, you know, the rhema word of God, now that we understand the uh, what the rhema versus logos is, so back to that part. Exactly, and that's what led to me get, having my encounter with salvation. Because I had all those questions as a young kid, Didn't get they didn't baptize me, long story short. Um, you know, they kind of swept under the rug, my heart and desire, and so I started to read the Bible on my own. And I would read that God hates sin, that I'm not supposed to sin, that I should preserve myself to marriage, what, I mean, all these what things. What age was this? Um, this was between ages ten to okay. you know sixteen. Okay. Um, so I knew that like I, I knew I didn't want to live a certain way. I knew I didn't want to be angry. I knew I didn't want to disobey my parents. Um, but it's like Paul says, when the word came alive, when I when, when the law came alive, sin came alive. Mm-hmm. Um, because Romans three says that the the law was written so that humans would know sin. Yeah. And typically we've used this example. Anytime you tell a child, don't do this, now the child wants to do it. Exactly. Because now they want to know why I'm not supposed to do it. Yeah. So as I knew the things God wanted me not to do, the flesh wanted to, the power of sin came alive. Even though I had confessed Christ in a confirmation thing before the, before the congregation, but I didn't know God. I didn't have an experience with God. So are you saving, are, look, are you saying that as a kid, you you experienced salvation um as a and i'm not and i'm not trying to you know i'm just saying like did you experience salvation as a kid and is there like a certain age that salvation has to come or is it is it dependent on the person um i would say i remember specifically i i i walked an aisle one day at my mother's african baptist church mm-hmm. so there was a day where the pastor preached and gave a message about heaven and hell and whatnot and he gave that altar call and i remember specifically walking that aisle by myself i was about 12. Mm. Um, and i remember i was the only one that walked i just he gave that call and i something in me you just knew something in me said go forward Mm -hmm. so even though i tried to live that life before that day you know reading my bible every morning reading my proverbs every morning stuff like that it wasn't until about 12 when i when i made a public decision of my own because we were told to go through this class and we were told jesus is real we were told that this is why you know christians go to church but that day I made a decision mm. that, hey, okay, if I'm going to step out, I'm going to say no to sin. Yeah. And I know people are going to look at me. And so they're going to, you know, they're going to be ready to call me out if I sin. Yeah. So I don't want to sin. So I, I, I remember mm. making a public declaration of Christ, believing that my life had been changed, but I had no understanding of the Holy Spirit still. Yeah. And that's where the story leads up. So for the next six years of my life until, you know, I was in high school, I played basketball. I was on television, on, on PBS Kids. Um, you know, I was a school ambassador. I mean, all kinds of stuff. I had, you know, essentially kind of a ticket to fame thrown to me in my school district. I was intelligent. I could skip school and play Call of Duty all day and all morning and and still graduate sixth in my class, you know. And so I began to get big-headed and arrogant mm. because without the presence of the Holy Ghost, there's no humility that can begin yeah. to take place. And I knew that I didn't want to live that life, but I didn't know anything else. I would keep falling into sin. I'd keep falling into sin. And eventually, I, I, I gave up on so, living a holy life. So at, 
let's just say hypothetic hypothetically speaking, you were to have passed away at that point, would you have you know, hypothetically obviously you're not no more, amen, but at that point if it would have would have happened, you think you would have gone to hell? Um, I would say around the time when I got to college and in any one of those moments, absolutely. So absolutely. So you're and and I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about this because I just really feel led to talk about this, but um based on that you you you're on the side of once saved always saved is false right um for the explanation of once saved always saved isn't sometimes the way people have thought it mm-hmm. uh, people think once saved always saved is you pray a prayer one time yeah. and you're good but that's actually the real doctrine of once saved always saved is anybody who falls away from the faith was never actually saved so if you pray a prayer at 6 or 60 and you make it to heaven you were always saved. Yeah. If you pray that prayer at 20 and die at 30, living in sin in a heroin house, you were never saved to begin with. Mm. And um, my issue with that doctrine, because actually, if you if you talk to them, neither uh, they don't condone living sin. That's the thing. So the OSAS, the once saved, always saved doctrine, actually doesn't, they're not to be confused with what people call hypergrace, which... Yeah is actually even the false representation of what to call that movement, because how can you have too much grace? Yeah. Now, that's the, you know, that's a different movement for, you know, you know God's going to forgive all your sins, past, present, and future, and you don't need to repent. I don't really, I wouldn't really call that hypergrace because those two don't line up. Um, now, that's what we call the movement. I think that's just a misinterpretation of what grace truly is, because grace, if you're graced, you are graced to not, like, God can give you the grace to not sin and to, you know, and not that we won't miss it like we were talk like you were talking about the other day, but more or less you won't live the practice of sinning. Exactly. Because that's the Bible is very distinctive about people who make a practice of sin. Yeah. And so at the root, one saved, always saved is you you get born again, you make heaven. Mm-hmm. My issue with that doctrine is for the people who grow up in some of these denominational churches. Um, there are some denominations that stress that a lot. I won't call any of them out because they're, they're our brothers in Christ. Yeah. And it's tough to call them out. But my issue with it is if somebody backslides, mm. they begin. what traps them up is they begin to believe they can never be saved. Mm. Yeah. Because they think, well, if I was saved in the beginning, then I wouldn't have fallen back into adultery. And it keeps them from coming to repentance and living in self-condemnation. And I think one verse that can kind of just kind of debunk that whole thought is where he says, you know, um, where it's talking about bringing correction to a brother, like you do it once, you do it twice with another person, and you do it before the church, and then after that you kick them so that they can be tried by Satan, and then they'll come back to the Lord. And, you know, it's like if you think that, and I I mean, I get it, you know, how, um, you know, it says that God will cause good things to happen to those who have loved him and who are called according to his purpose, and, um, you know, it's not the necessarily Calvinist approach of, you know, um, just thinking that God's going to sovereignly cause things to happen, but rather God knows. Um, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, there's there's a middle ground between sovereignty and free will. Mm-hmm. God knows in his sovereignty what each person is going to do, but in his justness, he's going to try to reach out to them so that he can't unjustifiably send these people to hell. Inevitably, he's not sending them by their choices. They are just having to have him judge correctly. And, you know, um, I just... I just think that it's it's kind of uh, interesting that you know that, that some people take that approach because I never I never understood it um, even whenever I was in certain denominations that I'm not a, currently a part of now um, I didn't understand how like once saved always saved work um, because I was 
you know, everybody would, they would do altar calls and people would come up and, you know, they were saved. And then, you know, if, if one was backsliding, you know, they, they're like, oh, so you're just, you're just not a part of us then. Um, and I just, I, I think that's a, a corrupt way and it's, it's, it's a man's, uh, it's, it's a misunderstanding. Yeah. And, um, people mock what they don't understand. Uh, and that's, that's one of the things that is, that, that it's, that it's done to people with that. And so, like I said, um, you know, the, and one of my firm beliefs is don't make the word of God say what it doesn't say. Yes. Um, and a lot of people do that, you know, just let the word of God be true and let man be a liar. Um, because, you know, even the scripture of bringing somebody privately and then another person deals with if, if you have an issue with your brother. Yes. You know, that's not even about sin. That can be about you, you know, abusing or usurping something, or I feel like you wronged me in a way. Um, and it's not enough to send you to hell. Yeah. But, you know, let's say you keep trying to cause division. And I'm saying, hey, man, you're you're talking behind my back about this. And, you know, can you show me, you know, where in Scripture I'm doing this incorrectly? And that person, you don't receive that brother. Mm. So then you go to another brother and you say, well, this person has said this about me and this is in Scripture, but they won't give. And then you go to that second person and they're still multiplying division. Um, and then they don't receive. And then you bring it before the church. Um, like That's one of the ways that it can be done. There's multiple different ways for that, too. But people will just hold on to that. For the Scripture says... Um, in First John, you know, if you, any brother sees a, a brother sin a sin that's not unto death, pray, and the Father will will, will turn them. Yeah. Um, Jude says, you know, we're supposed to go and snatch people out of the fire, you know, being careful as we fall into the fire ourselves. And so, you know, during during some of those early teenage years, there wasn't really a whole, I mean, there wasn't really a whole lot going on. Um, you know, fits of rage. Uh, you know, disobedience to parents, um, you know, the uh, typical rebellion thing. Yeah. Children. Things that open things that open up like pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hated pornography. Yeah. But of course, I didn't know because how to you stop. had knowledge of, of, of the, the words. Yeah. Yeah. And I knew I wasn't supposed to do it. And, uh, but I, so what would I do? I would just answer the altar call. Yeah. And Lord, I'm not going to look at it. But I didn't. Ha- I, no one told me that I had a helper. Yeah. No one told the me helper. I had an advocate. No one told me Luke 316. And there were some times I actually I went to a few church camps where they br- they talked about it on like one of the special days. They mm. did the lay on of hands. They tried to get us to speak in tongues. And I just I, I, did, I don't know. And it, yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Well, I don't know why I didn't receive it because I actually ended up baptizing the Holy Ghost later in the middle of the night. Mm. And so my senior year um, of high school, I ended up going off to the University of Notre Dame. I had no idea it existed. I was chasing a girl and um, Stanford had rejected me. Mm. So I said, OK, you know what? I'll go to Notre Dame. So I get out there. I don't know it's a Catholic school, actually. Everyone starts asking me if I'm Catholic. And I, and I was under that impression that all Catholics were Christians. So I just assumed it was the same thing. Yeah. You know, they had us go to a Catholic service to start, to start it off. And I thought to myself, this is very much like my Presbyterian church. Hmm. hmm maybe they are Christians. And then I, then I start finding out from, you know, certain priests and people, you're supposed to sin. Just, you know, do whatever you're going to do over the weekend. Get drunk. Do shots. Sleep with women. And then come back to Mass and just, you know... Repent, you just confess. just confess. Well, the issue with that is eventually you don't want to go to mass, you, you yeah. know, because you're like, you know what? If I'm going to do this next week, let me just hold off until, next you know, week. I'm done w- until I get it out of my system. Because there's this teaching sometimes, too, you'll get it out of your system. But the Bible said because they say the Bible says sin is pleasurable for a season. Yeah. But for some people, that season is their whole time on earth. Mm. It doesn't mean you're going to only like, you know, sexual immorality for one year. 
Yeah. No, there for some people. There, I mean, there are there. Are, you go to Walmart and you'll find some eighty-year-olds that still look at sixteen-year-olds with, with wicked imagination. Yeah, it's like at what season did you stop looking at women as objects? For some people, they don't. And so, you know, at any moment in between my freshman year of college and my senior year, I'm positive any death moment was an eternity in hell uh, because it was it was a practice of sin. So. Um, I saw on your Instagram, which can you can you tell people how they can find you on Instagram and Facebook, like your tags real quick? Sure thing. I mean, it's just literally my my whole name. Uh, well, I guess not my whole name, just my my name, Uchenna, U-C-H-E-N-N-A. And then my last name, Wanunu, N-W-A, like Nigerian with an attitude for, <laughs> for, you know, our older population. Um, N-N-U-N-U. I mean, that's just the biggest way you can find me. Um, on social media, on Instagram, on Facebook, YouTube. So back to, so I saw on your, uh, you do shorts, and I saw one of them where you got in a terrible accident. Was that during your college years? That was. And so, and you hit a wall going 90 miles an hour. Yep. And so, um, did you face injuries from that? Um, Coincidentally, about three major ones. Um, my lip was a little bit busted open, so I had to get stitches. Mm-hmm. And there was this weird thing that happened that couldn't be explained by doctors, but I couldn't bend one of my knees, and I couldn't mm. straighten the other one. Oh, wow. Yeah, that is interesting. And, you know, um, we have a guy at our church who at some point in my life I might bring him on here. His name's Tim. Before he was saved, he got hit by a car that was going 80 miles an hour, and he came, he came out of that with, with a, a simple knee injury. That he, I mean, he was still able to go to the military, and they're strict about, like, uh, certain things that are wrong with you, and which they might not be anymore, but, um, you know, but radi- he got radically, I mean, miraculously healed from that, like, I mean, um, and now there's, there's no side effects. And, mm-hmm. you know, a person who gets hit by 80 miles an hour, they should probably die. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, wrecking into a wall at 90 miles an hour, you should may at least be paralyzed and and let me i just i heard even though you had a an instance where you got injured last year you came back to basketball this last week ain't that right yeah that's right Amen. that's right and i won my first basketball game one-on-one yeah and so um that accident actually took place uh my i guess you could call it my sophomore year of mm-hmm. college so i had actually come back from the university of notre dame i was back home in texas uh, because it was a big culture shock was friends with you know famous people's you know, brothers, famous people's children, stuff like that. And so I ended up coming back home to Texas, and the party lifestyle from Notre Dame carried over to being at home in Texas, turned into the big bar scene. So did you go to school in Texas, or you just uh, came back visiting? I came back home to go to school in Texas. Okay, what what school did you go to? So I played lacrosse and basketball at another Catholic school Mm. in in the area, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And then I actually ended up leaving that school to go to another school in Denton, Texas. Okay. And that was actually the car accident that I had was a week before class was supposed to start. Okay. Um, I was headed, I was on the highway. I don't even remember exactly what happened. And I just ended up, I remember specifically heading towards a wall. I was drinking that night. I was underage. Mm-hmm. And I remember something happened. The car skid, hydroplaned, and I looked at that wall. And the only words that came out of my mouth is, I'm going to die. Mm. Because I used to have this joke. It's a very arrogant and pompous joke. I used to because I drove fast as a kid. People would ask me why I didn't wear a seatbelt, and I would say, "Well, because I drive fast, and if I end up in an accident, I don't want to wear a seatbelt. I just want to go through the windshield and die because I don't want my face to be scratched up." 
And so I'd make that joke. And here this day was not wearing a seatbelt, 90 miles an hour, head on to the in, into the barrier in the highway. Wow. Right. And right as I said, I'm, a, I'm going to die. Everything disappeared. It was like a whirlwind hit the car. It was like I was pulled out of the car, thrown back in the car. Um, I remember being pulled out of my car spiritually and watching the car hit the wall. And I don't know just what happened. I was just, it was like things spun and I was put back in the car and I was in the passenger seat mm. and cops were breaking open the passenger window to get to me because the door was, the doors were locked. Um, and somehow I was standing up and they dropped me off at home. And as soon as I walked up to my front door, I remember knocking on the door, my parents opened and I couldn't feel my legs. I just fell. Mm. And so um, went to the hospital that night, and I remember the doctors touching my legs, pulling my toes, pricking it with knives, and saying, "Can you feel that?" And I'm just like, "No, nah, man, no, I can't, I can't." I'm, 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 I'm still out of there. I'm like, "Well, you know, either I'm paralyzed." I was like, "No way, I'm paralyzed." Like, "No way, I am." Like, I walked, I walked. I'm something in my head. There's no way I'm paralyzed. There's no way I should be. I'm, I walked. Like, like, how would that happen? And so, um, you know, they were te- they did other tests, and they said we don't think he's paralyzed. We think he's just, you know, his neurological stuff is off. And as they talked to the doctor, they said, how is he alive? They said there was a young man that came in just before him, dead on arrival. Same thing, drunk driving, hit a wall at less speed than me and was wearing a seatbelt. And they're like, you're saying he wasn't wearing a seatbelt and he's alive. They're like, (laughs) remember, I think the doctor told my mom, like, you know, I would take this as an opportunity to not be upset at him. And be a glad he's alive. <laughs> yeah. Amen for the doctor that said that to your mom. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you think that I would have got my life right for a while, but I didn't. And mm. it wasn't until my senior year of college. Um, you know, I joined a fraternity. I was, um, you know, in the wrong crowd. I was creating the wrong crowd. I had a sphere of influence. Uh, yeah. I was, I was letting Satan manipulate my gift for leading people, gathering people, and running businesses in the wrong way. Mm. And so we would do spring break and I would find places and I would um, I would buy them up and then I would rent them out so that I would go I would go and commit sin on spring break for what I called for free. Mm. I would make money to go sin. And so it was my senior year and I booked the biggest strip that that had been done for them, for for this group of people. They had heard about the stuff that I had done and they wanted to be a part of it because I always took a very select group of people. And so I had this whole trip, you know, arranged uh, scheduled for March 2015 and my senior year of college it was January right before my birthday and just I didn't like where life was I felt empty mm. uh, between that time I hit the wall and my senior year I had felt empty and I knew that I needed to get right with the Lord um, I had tried churches in that area um, in Denton Texas um, I had thought about you know I had, I had thought about trying to find church online I knew the word so I knew I could repent yeah but I, I knew the scripture that said when an evil spirit leaves a man, it goes into the dry places. Long story short, it comes back. If you're, if you're swept clean, it'll, it'll make you worse. And I knew that's where my life was. I knew, that they were, I knew that they would leave. I knew how to get them to leave. But I didn't know how to fill myself with the strong man. Yeah. So instead of repenting, I told, I told God in my room one day, I said, Father, if you don't come and get me, I'll never make it to you. I never mm. will. Mm. I was like, I know everything I'm doing is sin. I was the kind of guy... With the Greek life, you know, we was in a fraternity. Everyone thinks they're a Christian. And I would tell, like, come on, guys, this should be real. We're living in sin, fam. If we're if we want to call ourselves Christians, we'll all head to hell tonight if we die. Let's just call it what it is, and let's just do what we're doing. 
I, I just, it's not that I didn't want to hear about God. I didn't want to fake God. Yeah. You know, and I, I was always the guy who, like, after doing something bad with my friends, I'd be up all night praying, like, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, I was scared because I didn't want to go to sleep because if I, if I died yeah. in my sleep, I was going to hell. Yeah. And I knew it. And it grieved me. Yeah. And it's crazy because I had, like, in the, because I grew up in a Baptist denomination, and in this Baptist church, I got filled with the fire. I didn't know what it was, but something in me was driving me to preach the gospel on my bus. You know, kids were ridiculing me, but at the end of the day, there was nothing to help. There was no leadership to help build my fire, and so yeah. it burnt out. But, man, I mean, even whenever I was trying to live a life of sin, there was something withholding me from getting fully in, engulfed in it. And, you know, I told people, I always tell people, just because it's easier to explain, that I was addicted to, you know, alcohol and drugs, but I was addicted to the idea of it. It was a mentality. I never, like, I could I could walk away from those things mm-hmm. and be fine. I mean, I had my other problems, but, um, you know, I was addicted to the idea of these things, even without being addicted to them, because I I wanted to, to fit in inevitably. And, and, you know, it just, I mean, there was always something in me that was holding me back. And I, I thank God that I never, you know, because it, it's a... You know, it's a, it's a generational curse. It was on my family for sure. And, you know, I always love what they always say. It ran until it ran into me, and it'll mm. run no further. Amen. Come on. <laughs> and so, um, like I said, that last year, my senior year, I just was like, Lord, I don't like this anymore. Mm. You know, I love what you said. You know, it's the idea of things. You know, that's why the Bible talks about vain imaginations. Mm-hmm. I wanted my life to be a movie, and it became that. Mm. Whatever type of girl I wanted... It happened for that weekend. Whatever type of group of people I wanted to be around, it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, I had I had certain crews of people where if I wanted you to disappear, it could happen. Mm. And um, I had no regard for human life, not even my own. And and, and I, I was empty. And so I asked the Lord in January to come and get me. Mm. Uh, and I said, that's it. You know, I, I'm not coming to you. You You find me. Cause you on the, people say I found God like that movie we watch. I didn't know God was I didn't know God was lost. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know there was an evangelist that came to preach at my church um, in November 2014, and a family member of mine who had been praying and fasting for my salvation heard him preach and said if 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 Uchenna hears this man preach, he'll be saved. Mm. You know, and and that that should tell you the importance of where you go to church and who you listen to. Yeah. Um, because to think that she couldn't invite me on any random Sunday should have said, should say something to you. Yeah. It should let you know about the place you're at. If you don't think that someone can get born again, you know, with your ministry, um, where you're going to church on a Sunday, I would reevaluate where you're going to church. Yeah, for sure. You know, you know, cause, because people don't get, you know, that's why I, I always had a disagreement with the whole love on people. You know, you don't, you, there was some, there was one person who I ended up seeing in my text messages. His name was Nathan, ironically, mm. you know, like the prophet Nathan for David. And he would tell me about the Lord. I was so blinded by the veil of Satan that I didn't even understand what the guy was saying. But I would be open enough to tell him, I don't want to live this life. I don't know how to get out of it. And he would just love on me, though. And it wasn't enough, to, it wasn't power. Of all the other times, I could have been dead, should have been dead, had died. I'm in hell. And so you need the anointing that breaks the, that destroys the yoke. And so my aunt heard this minister preach in November at the church mm-hmm. and knew he was coming back February 15, 2015. Mm. And so she called me 
probably that, that following week after I prayed that prayer in my room. I said, there's this evangelist that's coming. I think you should come here and preach. And at the time, I worked in the restaurant industry for a year. I worked fine, fine dining. So I used the same excuse a lot of sinners use. Oh, I got to work on Sunday to make money. Mm. Man, I was not making, for whatever reason, I was not making $300 on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but, you know, we're, we're willing to hold on to that 150 You know, yeah. I got to have this 150 this Sunday like yeah. to not go to church. And so my aunt actually got ready to pay me 300 bucks. Wow. But the Lord had already connected me my first week at this five-star restaurant with the president of this company mm. and her and his wife. One moment, one introduction as I walked away said, that man is too intelligent for this place. Get him out of here. We need to get him a job at the, at, at the corporate office. I went corporate America before I even graduated. Wow. And so I worked Monday through Friday. And I had asked, I had asked God for structure. Yeah. I knew I had no structure to my life. Yeah. Night classes, online classes. It was too intelligent for it. I finished my whole semester in one week by just staying up, doing all kinds of different things to stay up. And I had a whole semester, nothing to do. I had that experience in high school, and I don't know if it was because I came from a great school and came to an okay school, but my last, well, first of all, my last two months of my junior year, I sat in ISS, bored out of my mind, because I didn't want to wear a mat. Uh, well, I might not want to say that, but um, y'all know what I was about to say. <laughs> and then the last two or three months of my senior year, I sat in a room for like four or five class periods doing nothing because I was already finished with school. And, you know, I was like, they need, like, a work-study program here mm-hmm. so I can go do something. And, like, because, I mean, I was bored out of my mind. Luckily, I, you know, I had stuff to do. I could listen to podcasts. I could study. And, man, it, I mean, it, it turned out to be good because I was in a quiet room so I could study my word. And, man, I got deep in Proverbs, man. It was great. Um, but, yeah, either way, continue with uh, your finishing school super fast. And Yeah, and so, um, like I said, having already set up that position, I had, re- I had you know, quit working for that restaurant because, you know, I just felt some type of way. And so my aunt called me, got ready to offer me 300 bucks to skip a Sunday. And I told her, oh, no, I'll be there on a Sunday. I work Monday through Friday. Awesome. And, um, and I had just been talking with a friend of mine who, who still goes to that church. Um, cause we went to the same school. Um, and we both had been trying to get out of that life together. It, mm. it, it, too much had been put in us from youth, from our parents, you know, from morning prayer, stuff like yeah. that. You know, the seed of God will harvest mm-hmm. you know it, it he says i watch over my word to perform it yes you know his whatever he whatever whenever his word runs out to do it'll prosper for that which it sends it'll it'll accomplish and be successful and so you know we had tried to get back and we would try to do things in the natural right we're not going to drink this week um so we can make sure that we have a clear mind saturday night so we can go to service on sunday morning so fast forward to february 14th um, me Proverbs twenty two six. Yep. Direct your children in the way they should go, and they won't depart from it. Exactly. And uh, February fourteenth, me and my friend and some other people, we meet up that night, and um, we use it as an excuse to get together because it was Valentine's Day, and we were all single guys. So we decided to do what single guys in the world do: go out and drink yeah. and try to find girls, and not even care about finding girls if not necessarily. But of course, that's what the world does. Yeah. And so we go out. We 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 drink take shots, we get drunk, we smoke cigars, we do whatever, we do all these other things because we want to live our life like a movie. And I get home at like 4 a.m. because I have no intention of going to church the next day. Mm. I just use it as an excuse to get together and get drunk. Mm. And so that that church has two services, 9 and nine and 11, and I'm like, man, I'll set these alarms, but I don't know if I'm making it to 9. And I actually went, I mean, I don't know, you know, I went back and listened to that 9 a.m. service. I don't think there was any way possible on earth if I listened to that service, I was getting saved. Mm -hmm. Um, My friend got saved that service. So when I went to give him the fraternity handshake, I felt something different that morning. But I set my alarms 
And when the morning arose, my aunt tried to wake me, my cousin tried to wake me, the alarms tried to wake me. Even my other buddy, my unsaved friend who came to stay with, who came to go out with us, he was my roommate uh, at the school I played sports at. He actually went to service that day. Wow. Yeah, I don't think he got saved though. And I've brought him around a few times and he wouldn't get saved, but um, he could see the change in my life. And many times he would say, man, like, I really want what, what you have. Mm. And uh, that's why it's important, you know, to humble yourself. That's what, I'll, that's what I'll share after this testimony, because that's what the Holy Spirit taught me. And so that morning I heard the audible voice of Satan tell me, you know, don't, you know, don't get up, don't go to church, this, this, and that. Like nothing's going to happen. It's just the same old Sunday you can do next Sunday, all kinds of stuff. And uh, so I, you know, I, I take off all my alarms and to the point where I miss service, the 9 a.m., and there's no more alarms for the 11 a.m. Because I set alarms in case I, I needed to get to the 11 a.m. Yeah. And I, I turned off all those alarms, too. Mm. And it was like the room went quiet, like the day that I died in that car accident mm. where I couldn't hear anything. And it was like the building shook. And I heard an audible voice enter the room, say, get up. It's now or never. Mm. And I, I, I've heard that voice. I had heard that voice as a kid once. And I ran from it. And I didn't know why. I thought it was somebody else playing around with me, hitting an organ. It sounded that loud. Wow. And I thought somebody was trying to scare me. But there was no one in the sanctuary that, that night. And so I heard it say, get up. It's now or never. And it was like my body shot out of the bed. Mm. I'm still dehydrated. I'm still high. I'm still drunk. But I know I heard a voice and shot me up. You know, like when Ezekiel says, I, I was, the spirit picked me up. Something Picked me up. I believe it was angels. They carried me to the shower. They brushed my teeth for me. And my cousin had left his car keys. And it was like I saw un like through the ground where my cousin left his keys. And they were exactly where I saw them. Mm. Got into my cousin's car, started driving to church that morning. Um, and I just, something, in, everything in me, you know, unclean spirits, obviously. They, they had known this man's ministry. Mm -hmm. Something in me was like, don't go in that service. Mm. Don't go in that service. So finally I go into the service, you know, everyone's kind of, you know, the, the, it's kind of got the whole like, you know, semi-dim lights and whatnot. Granted, it's in a gym, so you could light the whole place up still. I mean, but, you know, so I don't know, you know, for the whole like not having lights everywhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm in the way back because I'm there late. I'm in the way back. And um, this man gets up finally. You know, I, I'm just like, okay, once praise and worship is over, I know the deal. Just fall asleep. I'll close my eyes. So, you know, he gets up to take the mic. And he says, give Jesus a great big hand clap. And my body, I could feel literal flames all over my body. I felt the all-consuming fire of God. Yes. And I mean, I wasn't saved yet, wasn't sanctified, wasn't even justified. So I go like, oh, explicative, explicative word here. This is real. <laughs> um, and so he, he proceeds to, to give a message. And that whole, he never, he even says it, like he says, I never got out of my introduction because that whole day, that whole service, every message that he had from scripture was a thought I had with God, mm. that moment. You know, and the first thing I think of is why are we here? You know, the importance of Jesus coming back soon. Fast forward, you know, like I said, I have this spring break trip planned. It's booked, it's paid for, it's in my name. I got alcohol, drugs, women, you know, all kinds of stuff we're going down with. Um, and he's just hammering everything that I'm thinking about. Mm. He's second Corinthians 10, five in me. He's casting down every vain imagination. He's taking every thought captive that I'm having. And as he's ministering, what really begins to break me is he's like, you know, it's February 14th when I flew in and there's only 
drunk people at these hotels here in Texas. He's like, you're not married. If you're married and in Texas, you stay home. Mm-hmm. He's like, and here all these people are trying to gamble their eternity on one night. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, and you want to gamble your eternity on one week in Florida? And I, and, and, and I just paused. Because I was trying to, because ju- I had hit the point where I was like, man, I know I can't go there and sin. I know these drugs are bad. I know these women are bad, but it's in my name. So maybe I can go and be Christian Papa Bear, right? I'm trying to justify, I'm trying to compromise yeah. in that last moment where he says that. And the Holy Spirit says, and you're willing to go and you're willing to go gamble your eternity that you won't do these drugs, drink this alcohol, go to the party. You're willing to gamble your eternity on one week. I said, get up. It's now or never. This is it. This is your chance. This is your last chance. It's everything to keep me from walking that aisle. And then I hear that same audible voice again. Sounds different than the one that said, you want to gamble your eternity. That voice says, he's mine. And I begin to weep. Mm. And I feel the overwhelming presence of God. I feel the goodness of Lord drawing me to repentance. And so this man gives the altar call. And he says, I see that hand. I see that hand. And I'm sitting in the way back. And at that moment, I finally put my hand up. And he says, I see that hand in the back. And it's where I, that's where I experienced Jehovah Roe, the Lord who sees. Mm. And he says very quickly, I want you to, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. Get out of your chair and come to the front. Those with most confidence come first. And I know right now I have a split-second decision. Because I remember walking that altar at, tw- at age 12 mm-hmm. by myself. By and I said, and I felt like a child. I was brought back to a child. I was brought back to that confidence at 12 that I'll stand for Jesus. And I shot up out of my chair. I said, if I don't do it now, I won't. And I'm starting to walk that aisle. And it feels heavy. And it feels burdened and it feels guilty and it feels condemned. And I'm hearing voices say, turn around. Don't nobody know you here. Get to your car. Go back. You got a spring break trip. You got drugs. You got women. You got a movie lifestyle. You got money. You got this. You got. And then I step into the light and it's like every voice was silenced. And this 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 lightness in my body occurred. And I looked in that man's eyes and he looked in mine. And it was like Ezekiel 2.2, 2, it says, As he spake unto me, the Spirit entered unto me. And I prayed that prayer of salvation at the altar, weeping, bawling, not giving you know, a hoot about who was there, about what yeah. they saw. And, and, and in the instance, I felt a shift in my lifestyle. And so you know, I started immediately, you know, he says, you know, if you like the preaching, download my app. If you didn't like the preaching, you won't like the app. So I downloaded the app that day. You know, I, I, I had you know, just a few actual things cashed in my hand. And I actually sold one third of everything that I had that moment to that ministry. And I started listening faithfully. I mean, no one had to tell me these things to do. I started deleting all these iTunes music. I started, you know, cutting these people out. And I mean, the moment I got home from church, uh, I was coaching lacrosse at the time in my senior year. And um, this lacrosse coach uh, texted me. He was like, hey, man, I, I got I have a VIP section at this bar on Sunday Funday with VIP model, like with, with models, you know, like come. And I, I said, no. I don't want to. Mm. And then this guy, one of my um, drug drug dealers, you know, texted me and was like, hey, like, I have some extra stuff, you know, so we can move, whatnot, and X, Y, Z. And I said, you know what? Keep it to yourself. I don't do it anymore. And then there was this girl that I had been trying with that, like, calls me, wants me, like the Joseph Potiphar's wife. And I just pulled away from it. Mm. For the first time in my life, I had the power to say no to sin. Yeah. I had. I already had the why? What was different? What was different at that point? I had received grace. Yeah. I was forgiven. I had received salvation. I had received the life of Christ in me. I had traded my life for his. Mm. I traded my way of thinking. I traded my way of doing. 
I traded my self righteousness. Did you finally have the helper? I finally had the. I finally had the. Uh, the I would say obviously the seal of the helper. Yeah. You know, like when Jesus resurrects and he breathes on his disciples' chest and he says, "Receive the Holy Spirit," and he mm-hmm. blows on them. You know, I had. I I believe at that moment, I had understanding of salvation. Mm. Now, the baptism of the Holy Ghost came in the middle of the night. Um, I had had this man lay hands on me too, but um, it happened within like within a few weeks. I was just middle of the night. I felt like speaking in tongue for some reason. No one had laid hands on me. It wasn't a service. And the next night, I yielded to it, and I heard a, I heard that same audible boy, audible voice say, "Pray," because I felt things coming back. When when evil spirits leave a man, they go into the dry place. So I felt things trying to enter my room, kind of like the story of Lester Summerall. And I heard this audible voice say, "Pray." And when I did, I shot up in my knees uh, in my bed, and, I mean, tongues that I've never been able to replicate again came out of my mouth. Wow. And then extra things shifted, <laughs> you know. But I, I, I knew I had the helper that first day, February 15th. Yeah. I knew it. There was something different. Mm-hmm. People saw it in my eyes. It was, it was, I started leading people to the Lord at the same university I was at. Part, these people were like, are you for real, bro? Like, they were like, you're serious. It's like, yeah. And I could make Jesus real to people. You know, I find it interesting, you know, just like God, he like, he, he opens doors for people and, and shifts things around to, to benefit us. And the devil does the same thing. Cause for you, you had, you had things that were like, if you were still a sinner, those were like, those were things that are like, were your most desired things like VIP lounge, you know, drugs that, you know, the d- drug dealer had extra, a girl that you had been seeking out. I mean, it just, like, opened up the second you got saved. And, you know, that's what I was trying to say at the beginning. Like, so many, like, Christians get discouraged because they think whenever they go and they, they say, Lord, I'm I'm done, I, I repent, I'm done, that they'll never have those desires again or they'll never have the opportunity. But when it opens up, you know, some some even fall, find tempted and some fall. And, you know, and... um. You know, I think it's very encouraging that you express the fact that those doors were open to you. And, you know, we have the free will choice. Mm -hmm. Should we continue sinning so that God can show us more and more of his gracious gift? Of course not, but it's still possible. The doors will be open, but we had to make the conscious choice to either walk through that door or walk away from it. And, man, I mean, um, you know, because this revelation that I got, I, I was asking God, I was like, why do so many people fall? Why can't... Why don't why do people not understand like what it what is it and it, he he spoke to me and said it's because they think it's going to be perfect and it and it, I think it's sometimes because you know Christians the true Christians that you know really believe truth and 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 not that we're of to a fault like of error and where we're bigger and better than everyone else but just we we allow God to grace us to the point where it to the outside eye, it looks like we're not struggling at times. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think so many people get discouraged because they're not at that place because they're, comparis- they're comparing. Yep, exactly. And, uh, and, you know, man, I just, having the helper in my life made a tremendous difference as it did with yours. Um, and having the helper gives you that faith that's a confidence of things hoped for. Yes. You know, there's a, there is a benefit to living free from sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, there's there's not just a, uh, a marriage benefit. Um, there's a physical benefit. There's a mental benefit. There are things God says that are actually for our purpose. Um, you know, even, even secular business people will tell you, stay away from pornography and unnecessary sleeping around. 
and actually for men convert that energy into because it actually saps your your your, your creativity yeah. purpose because the 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 desire of of sex is a desire of procreation being perverted by Satan or the flesh now that's alive that's sin that's alive it's a perversion of your creation mm-hmm. you know and, and and when you are doing things that don't create it steals your creative mind um, and so like even even worldly people who don't believe in God who teach who are business coaches self helpers they'll tell you when those urges come. Don't drink alcohol. Don't sleep with a random girl. Don't have a one night stand. Don't look at pornography. Go write. Go study. Go do this. They're yeah. like that's. They're like that's a creative urge that's arising in you. Yeah. They, even the world can pinpoint that, and that's why God tells us that because when you when you cast your seed abroad, you still you you, you steal your ability to create. And mm-hmm. that's why you'll you'll never you you never see anybody who's just you know the movies try to tell you that that's how it happens, but it's not. Any sinner at the top. These people, they may cheat on their wife, but they're not cheating on their wife at 58 women. Yeah. You'll notice that. They have maybe one, maybe two people that they do something with maybe every three or four weeks. Because because these people are busy. Yeah. They're busy anyway. You know, and so, um, you know, having, you know, God teaching us that is is a benefit for us. And really, having the helper and the grace gives you the ability to believe in the hope. Um, I, I love what you said about how these doors can still be open because the grace will also teach you about who you need to be around. Yes. You know, it empowered me because I would it, it gave me the ability to say, Lord, those people who would text me, I ask you to block their ability to text me. Mm. And there was a guy, actually, he was a fraternity brother who, for whatever reason, one day I decided to go, you know, to go to dinner with him, go hang out with him. And this was like a this was like a year later. Um, and he had still seen my post on Facebook and stuff. Um, and so I was like, you know, he grew up in a Catholic home. So I thought this would be an opportunity to share to share God with him. And uh, we went out. He drank X, Y, Z. And I mean, we drove separate cars. And I remember I went to go I, I, I went to go get him and say, like, hey, I was going to like take him home. And I walked into a room where they were doing drugs. Um, one of the drugs that I, I used to like the most. And I remember they looked at me and said, hey, do you want some? And I remember looking at it and smiling and saying, no, I don't. Like, like no desire yeah. to do it. And I remember turning around and being like, because and, and, when I hung out with him that day, I found out God had answered my prayer. Yeah, He said, man, because him and I, we had talked about business and stuff when I was unsaved. So, you know, I want I was like, you know what, maybe, you know, I can be the good influence now. And maybe these are people that I can pull out of darkness into light and we can do we can accomplish those dreams we had. Um, and so I, I, that's why him and I reconnected. And he said, man, you know, all since last year, you know, I wanted to text you. But when my thumb tried to hit your name, it was like my thumb couldn't touch the phone. Mm. And I literally was praying something that I had learned from um, that. The, so the minister who I got saved under um, and, or through his through his ministry his wife would do some teachings and she would talk about how, you know, pray that she would pray that like, Lord, don't even let these people like, like put an angel in between their thumb and like the send button. And I started praying that way. I said, Lord, there are people, you know, that like literally if they text me within these next like three months, I'll try to like, I'll try to quote unquote minister to them and probably backslide. Hmm. So I said, don't even let these people talk to me. I was like, I'm not going to be the guy that deletes them, blocks them. Cause you never know. Yeah. When um, somebody wants to reach out to you and, you know, yeah, needs help. 
But yeah. I was like, if it's going to be any of those old things, don't let him text me. And he told me that, that that day a year later. He said, man, I tried to text you, but my thumb couldn't touch the phone whenever I tried to text you. And I remember when he said that, that began, like, I began to kind of feel the inward spirit say, you know, you know, after dinner, just leave. After dinner, just leave. Um, it wasn't super late. But like I said, that's when I went to be like, man, like, I was just bored where we were at. I was like, bro, like, I went to hang out with you, and I didn't want to hang out with all these other people. And so I went to go, I was like, hey, you know, where's this guy? Where's this guy? They said, oh, you know, we think he's in that room over there. And so I went in, and that's when I saw him and, like, four of the people doing that drug. And I was like, and, you know, I was like, yeah, bro, I don't want to do it. It's like, uh, I'll just see you later, man. And I left and, you know, really didn't see that guy again. Yeah, and um, um, I have a similar instance, like, because uh, I got saved in uh, June of 2020 when I experienced true salvation and where I got the helper. And um, it was around November, I went back to my hometown, you know, because I moved to Huntington. And people who are on here, if you haven't heard my uh, testimony, just go back to the first podcast. But I went back and... You know, I, I met up with one of my friends who's who's a who's a, you know, was one like my brother, and you know now he's starting to get it. You know, after I distanced myself and let God work with him instead of trying to force my way in. But you know, he, I went to his house and he was like, "Hey, man, we're gonna we're gonna drink. You want? I mean, you don't have to drink. You can you can just sit around." You know, he was trying to you know be nice and you know just have a decent heart. He wasn't doing it out of a way like, "Oh, I'm trying to." But no, he was being genuine. Like, you don't have to drink. You can you can just hang out. I was like, "Man, if y'all are gonna drink, just take me home." Like, cause I don't want to be around that stuff. I, I, I felt like if I was around, you know, I mm-hmm. would feel that pressure and I, I wouldn't have enough self-control at that time. And so, you know, he said, okay, well then let's just go home. And, you know, I, I felt bad for doing that. Cause I, you know, I wanted to hang out with him. I hadn't seen him in a few months and it was a guy who I hung out with every weekend. And, you know, I just felt like it was a, like, oh, you know, I was like, I'm not, you know, that's not very Christian to me to, you know. Ju- you know, judge or whatever, but it wasn't even judge. I was just not putting myself in a situation. Yeah. But uh, in like five to ten minutes, can you explain your humility thing? Absolutely. And then, uh, we'll get off here. And- yeah. And so, you know, I like that that's what you touch base on and what you said um, about not, you know, stepping away, letting God do it, and you not trying to force your way in. Because that's what I want to leave young people with. Um, you know, that year that I, I mean, that I had, you know, we like to use the word radical salvation. Right? We say someone got radically saved when they were like, you know, off off in the world and praise god for it um and so like one thing i want to talk about was humility because the holy spirit you know spoke to me uh last year about this and he said you know and he said look man like i'm not going to say your whole family would have been saved but i'm going to tell you that i believe that you would have a better relationship with them if you didn't try to preach to them so soon you know there are things you know because when you you know you either don't want to put yourself in that position or when you do, you try to like you try to kind of meet them halfway, and it can't help but come out of you. This is not what you're supposed to do. Yeah, and and it, it and it creates self condemnation in them. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit told me He's like, man, if you would have just humbled yourself to me only, um, and not try to like you know do everything that you did, you know, maybe they'd all be saved. Yet at the very least, they would they they would see what I'm doing in you, mm-hmm. and it would you know it would be a different relationship. And so, you know, humility uh, and meekness, you know, well, sometimes we'll read the translations, like the Amplified, and we see them compared, but they're not the same thing. And, you know, humility is like a lowliness of spirit. And I love what um, the Beatitudes say in Matthew 5 and some of the original translation. It says, the, you know, blessed are those who are not spiritually arrogant, mm. who in that word arrogant means to think more of yourself yeah. or to think more of something you have done. At the end of the, way, at the end of the day, it's to think more of you. Mm-hmm. 
And so, you know, if I can leave young people with this, is, is it's whether you have a younger sibling, an older sibling, a parent, you know, friends, you know, when you know that you have the helper, you know, you are not the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Um, it's great that you have been given the Holy Spirit, but you are not the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that if Jesus is lifted high, he will draw men to him. Yeah. And that no man can be drawn to the Father except by the Holy Spirit, for it is the goodness of God that will lead men to repentance. Yep. And so that's hum- humility is to submit to that. You know that you want to see your unsaved loved ones saved. Mm. You know you want to see your friends saved. You know that when someone is making a mistake, you want to see it turned around. Yes. But the best thing you can do is you can pray for them, and you can continue to pursue the Lord and His will and His purpose for your life and let others begin to see it. Yes. Because what God has called you to do is not what He's called anybody else to do. You know, for everyone listening, I want you to understand this This. This thinking that you truly are irreplaceable. Um, This is not a matter of what you can do, but who you are. Yeah. You know, the gospel can be preached by a six-year-old or a 60-year-old. That's that's something that can be done. But who you are called to be is only you. And people will look at multiple versions of people, and you will be the only you there ever is. And so, you know— whether you have already tried preaching, you know, hellfire and brimstone to your family or the baptism of the Holy Ghost is, you know, is this and it's for today still or, you know, just let the Holy Spirit work in you and identify his purpose for your life. And meekness um, is a version of humility. But I say you can always be humble without being meek, but you can never be meek without being humble because the representation of the word humble is to come low to submit, to bow down. The word meekness is to give way, give up right for another right. You know, so having the ability to be right and and deciding, and this is not like one of those you see somebody on a train track and you don't say anything because you're wanting to be meek. Um, this is not looking necessarily to pull people, you know, out of what you think is their eternal damnation. Um, we're not the savior. Uh, This is not meant to say, you know, if you don't believe in tithing right now, you know, God will never bless your business, even if that person works diligent. Um, Just let the, you know, let the Lord use your life for his glory. Ask him what he wants you to do, where you're at, and how he wants you to do it, and pursue him. You know, have your encounter. We talked about experience and encounters with God. Have your encounter with God. Um, for the Bible says in Hebrews that the day is coming, and I believe we're, we're pretty much there, where the scripture says, you won't have to tell your neighbor, come and know God, for, the, for your neighbor will come to know God for himself. Mm. Um, let you go to know God. Know the one in whom you have believed and develop your relationship with your father and learn what the Holy Spirit wants to correct in you because the level of sanctification or the stages of sanctification in you will be very different than other people. There will be people who get sanctified, quote-unquote, faster um, in certain areas who may have done more. There are people who may not necessarily go through what's called the sanctification process of something because they never struggled with it. Don't compare yourself to that person. Don't compare yourself to another believer. Don't compare yourself to a non-believer. You know, don't try to use the Bible as, as a, a separation um, between you and other people. Let your life 
be that because God calls you holy mm. and God has set you apart. So you don't have to try to set yourself apart for God has done that. In this stage of your life, you know, whether you've, you've done that or thinking about doing it or haven't done it, God has set you apart. So your, you, you know, humility leads to consecration, which is your response to him. Set yourself aside to him as he has set you apart and he will sanctify you to be more like him. And, you know, as you do that, you'll see what you'll see the truth and the love of God should have brought in your heart by the Holy Spirit and others will be able to 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 undeniably see that as well. Is there anything you'd like to close on, Bryston? No, I think that's that's really good um, because it it eliminates that thought that, you know, not, you know, that coming to Christianity. Yeah, Jesus said, come unto me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give them rest. But he also said, you know, when trials and sorrows comes, take heart for I've overcome this world. You know, the same power that, you know, was in Jesus that gave him the power to overcome it is in us now. And it's not it's not in it of of ourselves, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the helper that gives us the fruit of the spirits and one of them being self-control. He gave you self-control to deny the drugs, to deny the drinking, to deny the girls. And, you know, whatever the problem is, anyone else on the other side of this uh, thing is experiencing the same way that he gave us the power to overcome it. He can give you the power to overcome it and withstand it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where humility comes. You know, he says, if, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I'll heal their land. You know, you never the day you get saved, the day you get justified, you're never more set apart than you ever will be. Mm. And you've never received you'll never receive more grace to overcome the temptation than you received at the day of salvation. You know, so if you're, you remember the distinction between free will and sovereignty, you know, it's your free will to make that decision. God is merciful and just. There are people who know what is right to do and don't do it. If that's been you, just do the next right thing now. Um, God's not holding it against you. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love rejoices at the truth. Love, you know, doesn't doesn't rejoice to see evil. And so, you know, if you've walked in that grace free from, you know, free from being overcome by temptation and you've yielded back to it, then just humility. Yield back to the Holy Spirit. Like he told Joshua in Joshua chapter six, just get rid of the sin, stand up, go win the next fight. Yeah, I'll and I'll conclude with this and uh, you can give your final statements. But you know, I always like what they say, you know, people always say, go back to the last thing that God's told you to do and start back from there. You know, because I know, I know at times even I have got, I mean, it may not have been just going off and practicing blatant sin, but I, I, I've, I've, uh, wavered going away from the thing that God called me to do. And I, I realize it. And I just, you know, you have to humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm sorry. And, and, you know, go back to her and, you know, start there and he'll grace you and, uh, help you, you know, you know, increase and accelerate and, you know, let's say right now you are living in sin or right now you know God's called you to do something and you're not doing it. Just go back to that place that, you know, God called you to and or uh, the thing that God's called you to do. And, you know, if, if it's somewhere and you and you left, just say, hey, I'm sorry, I missed it. And then, you know, ask for their forgiveness and, you know, start back there, you know, because we have to be humble between even our brothers, you know, outdoing each other with honor and, you know, just respecting each other and, you know, being being real with people. Don't be fake. Don't be fake. Be real with people. It's 
your life will be so much easier, even if you have wronged a person, being being real. Like, hey, I realized I do wrong. I stop being prideful and just say, hey, I realized I was wrong in this situation. And, you know, I think humility is something that us as Christians have to understand because we're, we are not superhuman. We live a supernatural life because of the supernatural thing that lives in us. But we, we could, I'm not going to get shot by a bullet and live unless it's, you know, the grace of God helping me live through it. You know, but, you know, and it, at that point, hallelujah, let's rejoice. But if I get shot, I die. We we have flesh. And you have to realize that, and, you know, we're we're not going to go through this life. And ne- I don't think we could ever not miss something. You know, I think I'll miss it at some point, and I'll have to say, I'm sorry. I'm not going to go just practice sinning. I'm going to, you know, do my best to stay away from that. And, uh, but just, you know, really you humble yourself and uh, get on your knees, repent. If you if you've sinned against a brother, don't even go get an offering. Go you make things right, and uh, you know I think humility is something that you know a lot of people have lost track of and lost the true meaning of. And uh, go ahead and give your concluding statements. And no, that's a that's that's a great way to end it. You know, humility. Amen. You know? Amen. Well, Chenna, will you you know if there's anyone on here who you know will you just lead people in the prayer of salvation and pray for us and we'll be done. Absolutely. And so if you're on here right now or somehow you skip to the very end uh, because you wanted to see how the end of this podcast turned out and you know that if you were to die today, you don't have confidence to stand before God. The Bible says that herein is love made perfect because God is love and love casts out all fear for fear brings torment and we'll have confidence in the day of judgment. You know, if you've made a practice of sinning, the Bible says that you are no longer of the Father God, you're of your father, the devil. Make it right. If you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, Lord means master, owner, Savior, deliverer, healer, protector, redeemer. If you don't have a redeemer, if you don't have the presence of God in your life, um, or you once did, and the things Bryson and I were talking about, pornography entered back in, gossiping, backbiting, pride, uh, the hidden things that people don't see, you know, unforgiveness, um, you know, you lived the life, you were leading people to Christ Jesus, you were inviting people to church, and now you come once every six Sundays. You know, if, if there's anything that would keep you from confidence with God, then I, this is for you. For the Bible says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess him with your mouth as Lord, making a practice of him as Lord, you shall be saved. For the Bible says that pursue peace with all men and sanctification from the Lord, without which no one will see the Lord. And so if you fall into any one of those categories, the Bible says if you commit a sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you of that sin and cleanse you of unrighteousness. Then pray right now with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that Jesus is my Redeemer. I believe in my heart the good news of Jesus Christ. He was born perfect, died on the cross for my sins, was buried for three days, and you raised him to life. I receive salvation in the name of Jesus Christ. I trade my life for the life of Jesus, and I receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. 
Make your home in me, Lord Jesus. I receive the seal of the Holy Spirit. Forgive me of all my sins and give me the grace to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, guys, I, I, I thank you for listening. And if you did receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, whether the first time or whether you recommitted your life because of this podcast, just know, I mean, that's an amazing step. And uh, I just want you to know this. At the end of the day, God loves each and every one of y'all, has a wonderful plan for your life. And uh, if you did if you did that, you can reach out to me on Instagram at Bryston underscore Catlett. Um, it's B-R-Y-S-T-O-N underscore C-A-T-L-E-T-T, all lowercase, very easy. DM me if you just want to say something, say something, I'll more than likely respond. And uh, I'm not the greatest at responding at times, but trust me, I'd be- love to hear from y'all. And uh, y'all just have a great rest of your day, and God bless each and every one of y'all. And uh, reach out to Achenna, he'd love to hear from you. And uh, thank you, Achenna, for coming on. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to the Spark of Fire audio podcast. May God bless all of the listeners today. Until next time, Bryce and Catlin.